0: Hello and welcome to Optimal the Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dickon Weatherby. And this podcast and my website all focus on one thing, and that's the quest for optimal health. Our goal is to help you to help your patients achieve optimal health so they can experience an optimal life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. And also make sure to go over to OptimalDX.com and check out our resources on the site. Now, without any further delay, is today's episode. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Dickon Weatherby from Optimal DX. Welcome to Optimal, the podcast. I'm joined as always by Beth Ellen DeLulio in Naples, Florida. Hey, Beth. Hi, hi. How are you? I'm a little under the weather. It's My first time I've had a cold, I think, for two and a half years since COVID happened. And no, it's not COVID. I've done like 900 tests. But anyway, yeah, our weather here in Bend, Oregon has been absolutely crazy. It's mid-May here, and we've already had snow like five days ago. We had sub-zero temperatures, not zero Fahrenheit, but sub-below freezing temperatures. It's, yeah, playing havoc with my wife's garden. Anyway, how's life in Naples?
1: Oh, you don't want to (laughs) hear. Oh, we we opened the house up this morning because it was only like seventy degrees. Okay, enough. Yeah. Well,
0: I want your orange juice, so I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Green
1: so lemonade. You should make my green lemonade. I put chlorophyll in it and stevia, lemon stevia.
0: Ooh, maybe green we should lemon. get that recipe up on the blog. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Willard water. Yeah, we'll put it together.
0: Yeah, along with your chocolate, chocolicious recipe, which I still I love. So if you if you you go go to the blog at October DX, we put in some. Uh, Of Beth's very cool little recipes in there, so I I love that. Yeah. Anyway, anything new and different in your life since we last talked on the podcast? Um,
1: Not too, too much. I mean, I just I walk, I work, I sleep, I walk, I work, I sleep. (laughs) Ah. That's my life. I'm very content. I keep it really low key, and you know, cool for fresh produce when I have to.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll tell you something that sort of caught my attention over the last few weeks is we just finished HBO's. Julia, which is about Julia Childs. I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. seen that show. And we were watching that and just kind of got really kind of interested in this whole concept of food. And I think Americans have a problem with food. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we've made food a bad thing. And I think it really upsets me because I love food. I love eating and I like, you know, everything in moderation, including moderation itself. But it kind of really got me into thinking about this concept of Food is part of community, mm-hmm. and having grown up in Europe in in England, and the Sunday lunch was a big deal for us when we were growing mm-hmm. up. And you know, my mom would cook a roast, or we'd go over to someone's house, and it would be a, a really about community breaking of bread. And I know that you, as Italian, have a concept mm-hmm. of that, and the Italians are just like you know and the French. So it really got me thinking about how I th- I, I, <laughs> I kind of miss that. I miss the concept of making real food, mm-hmm. and we ended up watching um, the other show called Julia and Julie, which is this woman who writes this blog about, and she cooks every single recipe from Julia Childs' amazing mastering the art of French cooking. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it just got me thinking about food and kind of feeling a little sad about how we approach food in this country. I said
1: disordered eating, right? I said eating disorder, but really we have disordered eating. <laughs> we
0: don't Yeah. Meals. And it's, it's sort of meals. I think the thing about it is cooking real food. Like cooking something from scratch. Okay, so you know maybe some of the stuff that Julia was doing, using eight sticks of butter, might be a little bit over the top. But if it's just once a week, you know, and you're cooking birth bourguignon and you put red wine in there, and it becomes that kind of. I mean, in the movie it was or in the TV show, and she tastes her own food, and you, that sort of look of sublime bliss came over her face. I think that's so cool, and I've had those experiences. I mean, I love to cook. It's, it's oh, my thing, God, and you know, during lockdown, I became like a sourdough baker, along with 5 million other people. And I kept a sourdough culture going for over two years. And I baked bread every week. And it was just, huh? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. (laughs) 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 Bubbly. Because it would bubble. (laughs) But I love that. And then, I mean, as my wife said, the problem with cooking bread is that you eat it. And, you know, I was eating, you know, maybe because a, a, we, we were isolated, right? I was cooking two loaves a week and our freezer started bursting. But anyway, I do miss that. And, uh, oh, you know,
1: you're lucky because food is not my friend. When you have so many things that, that upset your belly, you know, your eye yeah. track isn't functioning quite right, it's just a chore. Oh. I understand how you feel because my George, he's a great cook and he, everything tastes so good and he always goes for the full meals. And I'm just grabbing handfuls. I need two handfuls of leafy greens. I'll grab, you know, turkey right out of the container because I have to eat it. I know I need to eat right, yeah, eat well. And and it's not a healthy relationship with food because I'm so mad at food because so many of those types of foods make me sick. But hey, when I like something though, I get what you're saying, man. It's just a full body experience, so I do
0: understand it. Food is your friend. Oh, I'm sorry about that. That makes me feel very sad.
1: that way, I don't believe me. We've worked things out.
0: Well, I was also watching last night I don't know if you know the actor Stanley Tucci.
1: Oh, in Italy.: Have you
0: been watching his show in Italy? Well, we watched the first one. He goes to Naples and he goes to and this guy makes a handmade pizza from scratch, and they, he drives out to the special valley, and, you know where these special tomatoes are grown, and then he goes and gets fresh buffalo mozzarella. And that he makes this very simple pizza. And again, that look of just sublime bliss on his face as he takes that first bite. So anyway, got me sort of thinking a little bit. But anyway, today's topic, <laughs> kind of an extension of maybe not eating very well, is the NMR lipoprofile. And Beth has been doing some deep dives. I know we always talk about deep dives, but you really have done a deep dive into NMR lipoprofile. And we've done a blog, we will be doing a blog post on it. But we wanted to kind of do a podcast. So I think it's really important because we uncovered a lot of nuances that I think we need to be aware of when we're ordering blood work. And I think the first thing is that Quest, the biggest lab here in the United States, has been kind of gobbling up smaller labs. So one of the labs that they purchased was Cleveland Heart Lab. And Cleveland was doing some pretty progressive testing, one of which was the NMR profile. I'm not sure, are there any other labs that were doing NMR at that point, Beth? I know there's Boston Heart Lab, and I don't even know if they're doing that.
1: Way back then, I don't know that, because I know that LabCorp does now do an NMR.
0: Yeah, and we were just kind of talking about even, I mean, we know that LabCorp and Quest have different reference ranges for various different biomarkers, and even though they're measuring the same thing, that their ranges are slightly different. But I think that Quest is probably the big player in, in this whole... NMR lipo profile. So, what we wanted to do is kind of go through, talk about what the NMR lipo profile is, what you can measure in it, why you would measure it. And then we're going to throw a little monkey wrench in here by talking about something called the cardio IQ test, which is also something that Quest puts out. And that is using a methodology called the iron mobility. And Beth will talk a little bit about that. And then we will finish off, or maybe in the middle of this, we will talk about a biomarker that we came across and we were scratching our heads about, which is SD, S as in Sam, D as in dog, LDL. And so we found this molecule called SDLDL, and then we found another one called SDLDL-C. And we were like, are these the same things? So anyway, I'm going to let you kind of talk a little bit about that. But hopefully we're going to dive into NMR lipoprofile stuff, and hopefully this is going to be helpful for you to not only identify what tests to run we're not going to go over ranges because a lot of the ranges, they do a pretty good job, I think, on Quest talking about you know what the goal is, what the moderate risk is, and what the high risk is. So I don't think that we might have different nuances here from sort of this kind of optimal range concept. But in my sense, Beth, is that the reference ranges, they do a pretty good job with those in terms of yeah, providing. not much. Yeah, it's not, it's not like you're normal or you're not normal. It's like there is a spectrum. Anything else you want to add before we jump in?
1: No, well, I wanted to interject someplace, and I don't know if this will be basic for some folks, but it's a nice reminder. But I, I like to go with the concept of LDL buses and HDL taxis, just for a little quick overview. Yeah, I love it. Right. So the LDL is a lipoprotein, and on a big LDL bus can carry and protect a lot of cholesterol. Whereas a small little, I call them teen drivers and lots of little LDL cars, can be much more damaging on the road and they're more apt to crash and they're more apt to get oxidized. So the LDL bus is a big, fluffy bus, and the LDL little car is a little teen driver that can wreak havoc. Right. And then the HDL taxi, you want a big taxi that can pick up a lot of cholesterol and bring it back to the liver, or back to the airport <laughs> mm. to, to process it. So that little, like, think of an LDL as a bus and you want it big. And the LDL taxi, same thing. You want to have a big taxi to bring a lot of cholesterol back for processing.
0: Oh, it's a great analogy. Yeah, it's a good way of thinking about it. You don't
1: want a lot of little LDLs. They're like those teen drivers that wreak havoc and cause oxidation and accidents and all kinds of things. They get attacked by free radicals and cause damage. So we want a big LDL bus and not a a lot of small LDL teen drivers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think another way, I mean, I've heard a similar analogy and it's sort of talking about why the current way that we look at total cholesterol, LDL and HDL as these sort of major markers that drive treatment decisions by physicians. Oh, your, your total cholesterol and your LDL are way high. Let's put you on statins. Someone used a more of a military analogy He said, imagine if you were World War II. you you're on the coast of England, and you send a plane up and you see that the armies are invading. And you say to the pilot, I want you to count how many boats are coming over. Mm. So he comes back and says there are 13 boats. Say, "Oh, that's not that many. What well, he didn't fail to tell you is there are 13 aircraft carriers that have got 10,000 troops Big in each wow. one. <laughs> these were little tiny little sailboats. So really, just knowing the number of these things is really not that helpful. So the purpose behind what we're talking about today is, yes, I think every panel that you're running has these biomarkers that are total cholesterol HDL, LDL. Now we've got the LDL, HDL ratios, we've got the cholesterol HDL ratios, we've got triglyceride. So there's a little nuances that we can do. But this is kind of diving deeper. So let's kick off here with what does NMR stand for? Maybe you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance. And it's a method in this case. It's actually what they're doing is trying to take a closer look at the lipoproteins that are present and the lipoproteins that carry cholesterol, triglycerides, antioxidants, and even other things. So we're not just like you said, what is the number of the LDL in the blood? That's not what we're looking at, Of the LDL cholesterol. We're actually diving a little deeper to see what the size of the LDL particle is. What is it carrying? Mm-hmm. So with this method, this NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance, it's literally a lab method, but they want to go further in to find out the size, the density, and the particle number of the different lipoprotein classes. So they're still going to look at vldl LDL, LDL, even intermediate density lipoprotein, and HDL. But within those classes, they can tell us the size and the number, and then what does that mean? If I can jump right in now, if you
0: want me to. Well, let's kind of like take this taxi analogy or the bus analogy that you were talking about, right? So we're looking at size. So this LDL, VLDL, IDL, and HDL molecule. What is its size? Is it big? Is it intermediate? Or is it small? And then looking at what its density is. How dense? How, dense, pretty, how densely packed that particular molecule is. So again, our military concept is you've got a boat that could carry ten people but it's actually packed with twenty five people that's a fairly densely packed boat mm-hmm. and then also the particle numbers how many how many actual particles are carried in that that's like that concept of like oh it's there's 13 boats well actually it's thirteen aircraft carriers that can carry ten thousand troops so it really is giving you that sort of quantitative measurement I think that's super important so now let's go into the subclasses because I think and you know, to bear with us while we kind of go through a lot of Anachronisms, but I think this is very important to get a sense of density, particle size, particle numbers in terms of these various different subclasses. Okay,
1: all right. So first, so they do to start with the VLDL. So that's a very low density lipoprotein. And for VLDL, you want smaller VLDLs right. because the larger VLDLs in this particular test they classify as VLDL one. But VLDL one is larger. It's higher in triglycerides. It's the VLDL that gets converted to the small, dense lipoprotein LDL, excuse me,
0: which we'll talk about later.
1: <laughs> which we'll talk about SDLDL. Yep. And the, um, the larger VLDLs are associated with insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So you want the big guys for the VLDL happen to be the bad guys. And then mm-hmm. you want the smaller. VLDL, that's
0: VLDL2. So that's a smaller VLDL, and it's
1: actually lowering triglycerides. Okay, interesting.
0: VLDL, we want smaller VLDLs. So that's interesting. So VLDL as a particle or as a molecule carries a lot of triglycerides. So obviously, you don't want to have a lot of triglycerides moving around your your blood on that respect. Mm -hmm. All right. So then we've got low density lipoproteins in which the four subclasses, so we have that again, they're classified as L- VLDL1, VLDL2. LDL, mm-hmm. And now we're in LDL, ldl one 2, 3, and 4. So LDL1 are what they call large, buoyant particles. LDL2 is their intermediate. And then we have this classification of this thing that we said that we talked about, which is SDLDL. So talk a little bit about LDL3 and LDL4. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: LDL3 and LDL4 are both small, dense particles right again we're not even talking about the cholesterol content and that's where i think people get somewhat confused mm. because the sd ldl cholesterol content is another thing right now we're talking about the actual particle the carrier so the small dense ldl particle is 18 to 20.5 nanometers and it's part of what they call a the pattern b phenotype and that's the bad guy mm. so ldl one and two they both reflect pattern a phenotype and that's the good one mm. and the small dense Particles are represent pattern B phenotype, you know, the bad guy. So these small dense, it's interesting because the small dense LDL particles carry more triglycerides, but they carry less cholesterol. They also carry or contain fewer antioxidant nutrients, which is so important because really the bottom line when we're talking about atherosclerosis, which is really what we're always talking about, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely.
1: So it's an oxidative process. It's the oxidized LDL that ends up being a problem that can set off atherosclerosis. So these small, dense LDL particles, are more apt to get oxidized, partly because they have fewer antioxidant nutrients on them or in mm. them. So they're prone to oxidation. They're also more prone to glycation and they have a longer circulation time. So there's more time for them to wreak havoc. Right? It's like these teen drivers who are out after midnight. they <laughs> <laughs> you know, wreaking havoc. You know they're going to be trouble, right? Even if they haven't started trouble yet, they have a potential <laughs> So we don't want a lot of small, dense teen drivers on the road after midnight. So they tend to stick around longer in circulation, and that's a problem. And then the same thing, the LDL-4, too, also a version of the small, dense LDL particle. So we want, in this case, the larger LDLs. And that, those are the ones I call the buses, and not yeah. the small, dense LDLs, because they contain teenage punks who are going to have to stay out after midnight and cause
0: trouble. Right. Okay. <laughs> Now about our taxis, our HDL molecules, because the NMR also gives us quite a bit of information about HDL, high-density lipoproteins. And I think, again, you're talking about how a larger HDL particle size. So when we look at particle size in the NMR lipoprofile results, they'll give you a quantitative sense of of, is it nanometers. So you want large particle sizes. Mm -hmm. So it's associated with lower cardiovascular risk. While we have a smaller particle size, is associated with an increased cardiovascular risk and then You're i think
1: not all hdl is good you know we always thought oh hdl is
0: one yeah absolutely and i think peter atia and i know i've talked about him on this podcast before he's a medical doctor if you if you really want to dive deep into this stuff go over to peter atia's website anyway he just released an email today talking about about this type of stuff and why medical science and physicians are doing us a major disservice by talking about good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. Wow. Because as you said, if you have small, dense HDL particles, that's an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So you could have an HDL of 75, but it's full of small HDL mm-hmm. particles that are not serving any purpose for us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: think the activation too, I love to really remind people, right, that the small, dense LDLs, the SDLDLs, can get oxidized and that's really the trigger for atherosclerosis. And I we say, well, what's the opposite of oxidation? Antioxidants. To me, it always boils down to nutrition, <laughs> as you know. So all we get all this minutiae sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. And I still say that the bottom line is they're gonna be a lack of dietary antioxidants and of course endogenous antioxidants that contribute to cardiovascular disease. And mm-hmm. now we know with this little this clue about the SDLDL, if they're around They're apt to get oxidized and really wreak havoc. So again, it comes back to antioxidants are so important in this
0: process. Yeah. Another question could be where do we purchase this for our patients? Quest, obviously, is the main provider. But as Beth mentioned, LabCorp also does the NMR lipoprotein. Funnily enough, Ulta Lab Test, which is a wholesaler for Quest, they don't have this on the menu, and I'm not sure why, but they have this other one called the cardio IQ, which we'll get to later. And then I think you also said that Direct Labs doesn't have the NMR lipoprotein. It does have the
1: NMR. I did. I yeah. called. I chatted. Yeah. And I, that's too bad. So they do the ion mobility instead, which is kind of interesting because from what I can dig up, it's the, the only FDA-approved
0: test. Interesting. The
1: NMR. And then yeah. the cardio IQ still even says this is not an FDA-approved test. So maybe it'll get fda approval. Yeah. Store, but... The NMR seems to be the tried and true so far, but the ion mobility maybe is coming up on the outside like rich strike, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, using a, a Kentucky Derby analogy, yeah. did you put any money on it? <laughs> no. <I think laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, <laughs> it would be awesome. Avexia is a lab core provider, so I know that they would have lab cores NMR, lipoprotein. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, just sort of the nomenclature that they come up with. I mean. NMR lipoprotein sub-fractionation. I know there's other terms that are thrown out. But ultimately, I think the bottom line is it goes way beyond total cholesterol testing, which is really unable to identify the majority of individuals who are developing cardiovascular disease. It's funny, I, went, I have a new GP that I went to, I think it was in early January. And I didn't tell him the work that I do. I didn't tell him my background. And I was just really curious just to talk to him. And he's been a 20-year GP. And so we were talking about blood testing. And I said, you know, what type of blood testing would you routinely do on someone in their early 50s? And, you know, I don't have any familiar history of diabetes or, or cardiovascular disease. I mean, my blood pressure is really good. I'm in great. I'm in good health. I'm a little overweight. That's okay. Um, so he said, well, you know, we'll just do a CMP, or we'll do a CBC. And I said, would you do any, you know, cholesterol testing? He said, yeah, yeah, we just do the standard cholesterol testing for you. He didn't even say standard. He said, yeah, we'll, we'll run cholesterol tests. And I said, out of curiosity, for someone my age, do you think it would be important to do kind of some sex hormones? He goes, "Why would we want to do that?" So I kind of left it, and then I said, "Well, what about doing some like deeper diving into into cholesterol? I mean, do you ever do like lipid, lipoprotein subfractions?" And and he looked at me, he was like, "How do you know about that?" And so basically, he said, "No," and I said, "Well, why not?" He said, "It's not going to change the way I treat." And I said, "How do you treat?" He said, "I would use statin." I say, like, oh, my God, this is the problem with modern medicine. And five That's minutes crazy. later, you know, he kicked me out after five minutes, right? <laughs> so, you know, he all have to do is Google you. If he Googled you, he didn't know who he has. Well, maybe, maybe smile. not. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so basically, I think the point being is, yes, we measure total cholesterol, you know, something that we report on in, in the software. We have a lipid, lipid reporting that we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that the point being is, if some of those, Scoring that we do, which sort of risk scoring goes really high. I think this is an opportunity then to kind of go into this deeper understanding. Of, we're not even talking about LP, little a, or ApoA and ApoB and the ratios between those. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, go over to the blog. We've got some good articles on that. We're really talking about this NMR stuff. So really, the this subfractionation is really far superior than measuring or calculating the amount of cholesterol carried by LDL or HDL. Gives us a breakdown, like we said, of this particle size. So it's a really, really good, good test to run. And especially for anyone that is considered at high risk. And I would almost say it's cheap enough now. We were just looking at some of the pricing on some of the websites, like for out of pocket for $150, bucks, would not you want to know kind of this type of information, even just to get a baseline? So anyone in their mid 40s or above. Anyway, I think it's a great little test.
1: And that's the direct access. And unfortunately, and I am from Rhode Island, they still don't allow direct access testing, unfortunately. In Rhode Island? So, yeah. New York yeah. New York is
0: uh, New York, York is one of the worst. Yeah, one of the worst.
1: Yeah, it's too bad though, because then the doctors probably won't order it. They don't know if it's gonna get covered by insurance and it can be expensive they actually charge you directly. But most states you can do this direct access testing. And I think it's well, well worth it. I always paid for
0: my own blood work out of pocket right. I right. To the full panel as practitioners, we can get really good pricing. I mean, if it's mm-hmm. from Avexia or Alta or Direct Labs or any of these other companies' life extensions mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, pretty cool. So let's talk a little bit about small, dense LDL particles. This is something that is measured it's called SDLDL, especially used for uncovering coronary artery disease. We kind of, kind of came across this other molecule called SDLDLC. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the difference between those two particular molecules.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the measurement is different. So, you couldn't, if you're going to try to plug some results into the software and we have a place for SDLDL, that's the lipoprotein itself. We're going to have a separate place for the SDLDLC, which is the amount of cholesterol that's carried on the SDLDL.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and now it's like less than 50 is desirable. So, when we put it in as a biomarker in the software, we'll have. The ranges and if we have an optimal range that's different than standard it'll be there but that's actually the amount of cholesterol carried by the sdldl and if you remember from before it's strange because the sdldl carries really more triglyceride than cholesterol so it's like the cholesterol is not the main player anymore even if you're measuring the sdldlc Mm-hmm. So I think the thing to remember is so especially if some if a practitioner is using the software is making sure that you're either going to be putting in the number of SDLDL particles in one place and the amount of SDLDL cholesterol in a second place. So they are two different things, right? Two separate entities, really. Two separate entries. And again, to remember, because native LDL cholesterol itself, right? There's only one molecule of cholesterol. It always bothers me when they say good and bad. Like this cholesterol, it just takes either the bus or the taxi, right?
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> and the taxi is scavenging it's it and bringing it back for processing. So just to say that the LDL cholesterol is bad or, or what have you, it just bothers the heck out of me. So fast. yeah, it's a little box that I jump up on. But so the sdldl again is the one that's prone to oxidation. Good old LDL cholesterol, a cholesterol that's getting dropped off by the LDL bus, it's good. Think it's the cholesterol is going to be used in the body, it's good, healthy cholesterol. It's when it gets oxidized it really seems to be the problem. Yeah, it really yeah. to drive that home with people. And this way, doing the NMR, the lipoprotein subfractionation is a way to find out if you have a lot of those little sdLDLs those are the bad guys and you know they're prone to oxidation so the thing to do is to up your antioxidant can what you consume but also what you make in your own body so and i have to say i did come across information that interestingly enough the statins do for some reason statins also work as act as antioxidants mm. and the statins might actually lower the sd ldl level Mm. And it might work, but why not do it naturally in a way that your body needs anyway, with healthy food and plenty of antioxidants and precursors to your own endogenous antioxidants? To me, that should always be the first route. And if you do have familial hyperlipidemia and you do have to have a medication, that's really what the statins were meant for. For people that just couldn't, didn't have that feedback loop that would. Stop the HMG co reductase enzyme from producing more cholesterol. You just mm-hmm. did that with a statin if you have that genetic issue where your own feedback loops aren't working. But it was, I did find that the statins might lower that SDL.
0: That's interesting. Level. Yeah. I'd
1: just rather do it naturally. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, statins, obviously, we know can have some serious side effects. And for some people, can be deadly. And there is a set of people that cannot take statins. It would be fatal for them.
0: So, but good thing to ask ourselves is like, when would you want to run NMR lipoprofile? You spoke a very important one. If there's a familial history of hyperlipidemia, you know that you have a parent that has died of cardiovascular disease. It's a no brainer. You've got to get this done. Also, if there is an established cardiovascular disease for monitoring and making sure that treatment be it natural, if you're taking statins that it's working for you. I think the other one, too, is something that you mentioned, which is insulin resistance. And that's obviously tied. We now know that diabetes is so closely tied in with cardiovascular disease. It's almost like a triad together. But anyone on that sort of pre-diabetic road or the road to diabetes should definitely be getting this. Anyone with hypertension, I think, too, because that puts you at a a higher risk for, for having a stroke or an myocardial infarction. And then metabolic syndrome, these are all things that we do report on in the software. And the things that we report on in the software are trending towards. So we don't want to wait until you've got metabolic syndrome or wait until you've got established cardiovascular disease or wait until you've got diabetes, which is oftentimes the approach of medical doctors, because they don't have a way to deal with this before it's happening. So this if someone's gr-
1: heading for the cliff, right? If somebody's running yeah. towards the cliff.
0: <laughs> yeah, what would you do? You, you would like shout at them and you would try and stop them from running off rather than like, as they're flying off the cliff, giving them a, a potentially leaky parachute. A <laughs> leaky <laughs> parachute, yeah. 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 Anyone that's got, I would say, probably an, L- an LDL, classic LDL, that's maybe over, I don't know, 200 or something, I think would probably be a good marker. Or if they've got these other traditional cardiovascular risk, and we know one of the things I do go over in my training program, is I think sort of the 16 independent risk factors for cardiovascular disease, because it's not just cholesterol, it's a lot of other biomarkers that can give us really, really good information, homocysteine, fibrinogen, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, vitamin D, testosterone, iron levels too, can be a contributing factor. So these would all be reasons to actually run this test in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like we said, commercial labs, such as Quest Diagnostics, They have the the Cleveland Heart Lab as a lab that they purchased. And whether they're actually merging that test into being a Quest test or whether they're keeping the branding as Cleveland, I'm not sure. LabCorp does the Lipo Profile. Both of these companies, Quest and LabCorp, they are offering what is known as the NMR lipoprotein subfractionation, as do some of the direct access lab services that we could potentially use with our clients. Not all. As we mentioned, Ulta Lab Tests does not and direct labs does not. And I think here because they're a lab core provider, do. I wanted to finish off here with just some very quick interpretive stuff, because, and then we'll, we'll jump into the cardio ion or the cardio IQ as sort of a, the difference between the two. So I'm going to use the word bad and good, because I think in this situation, it probably is classified that way. So high numbers of these on an NMR, NMR profile are bad. LDL particle number, if you have high ldl particle numbers not good if you have a lot of ldl small particles not good if you have a lot of medium sized particles of ldl probably not very good if you have a low level of hdl large sized particles as beth mentioned we want big taxis we want big buses so high L, large hdl is large taxis if you have a low number of high density lipoprotein large sized particles not good so conversely The presence of large HDL particles is good, right? So so that would be green, high LDL particle numbers, high small particles of LDL and high medium particles of LDL would be red, not so good. Anything else you want to mention about the interpretation?
1: Well, that's just, yeah, again, just kind of simplify it. Large LDL good, large HDL good, large VLDL bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Just to, and again, it's just
0: another way of looking at it, right? So I'm focusing on the bad and good, and you're like, yeah. Just let's look at it from the other perspective. Yeah. <laughs> know. My glass is half empty; yours is glass is half full. So.
1: You know what? Too, and I stress for people to really go back and read the original report that you get to, and because there could be nuances, and to familiarize yourself instead of just entering things into the software. Once we have this all set for the software, you have to know if you've ordered your NMR or if you've ordered an ion
0: mobility. Yeah, so we will actually probably create individual biomarkers that will have NMR. So it'll say LDL particle number parentheses NMR. <laughs> so it's like really yeah, easy to know. Yeah, so we'll get those in. I'm hoping in the next next few weeks. So yeah, super stoked to get those in. All right, let's finish off here. The question that we, we could answer is, is NMR the same as ion mobility or other methods of lipoprotein fractionations? For instance, the cardio IQ test. And the answer is no. So do you want to run into why that's not the same?
1: Hey, again, technical language. Right <laughs> really? You're going to talk yeah.
0: about ultracentrifugation, gradient cell electrophoresis.
1: different ones, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but there are older tests, like the GGE. There's so much to, that we could have covered. But yeah, it seems like the most popular now, the NMR, the ion mobility, the different lab, I'm going to say lab techniques. Is the best way to say that, but they also use different ways of measuring. So you can't exchange one for another. You can't take your ion mobility results and plug them into the NMR biomarker section. You have to -hmm. make sure that they treat they're different. They're apples and oranges, basically. Remember to treat them that way. And again, it's a little more lab technique that I'm not familiar with the details. I suppose somebody could go over those, but it all is really. How are they going to figure out (laughs) how to assess these, these lipoprotein sizes and particles, but it does say the NMR is like less labor intensive. So less expensive, I guess. So they did say, and again, it's the only one that's FDA approved from what I can tell. up to But it seems to be an easier, easier test to actually do. It's not as labor intensive.
0: And also the, Kind of like the sub fractions that they give you, they're a lot less. I think that they boils down to just four things really mm-hmm. LDL particle number, LDL small, LDL medium, HDL large, and then this LDL peak size, which is actually a measurement that they, and that's not done in uh, meters, it's done in angstroms, which is uh, another unit. So, and kind of when I look at the actual report itself, you're going to get your standards. Lipid panel, cholesterol total, HDL, triglycerides, LDL, cholesterol, HDL cholesterol ratio, non-HDL cholesterol, and then it's going to give you these lipoprotein subfractions. So that's an interesting kind of nuance there. So it's not a lipoprotein. Well, what do they call it in uh, NMR? Well, I guess it's a subfraction, isn't it? So fractionation. Um, yeah, subfractionation.
1: It's weird because I found an older. It seemed like it was Cardio IQ results and they had a lot more information so maybe they just boiled it down to putting into this smaller panel for the cardio iq itself yeah including everything right hscrp is even in there
0: yes so they're adding the apolipoproteins apolipoprotein b which is you you want that one to be low and then lipoprotein little a again you want that to be low so those are the two more atherogenic apolipoproteins and then they give you some inflammatory markers hscrp and then LPPLA-2 activity, which you just wrote a couple of really good short research-based articles in the blog on those two, LPPLA-2 and then LPPLA-2 activity. So yeah, in some ways, it, it might be the cardio IQ might be kind of like your first pass test for this. But like we said earlier, it's like the NMR profile, it sounds like it's getting to be very reasonable. I mean, I think 148 bucks was what we saw, but very basic. So why not get this NMR profile done on your patients and really help them kind of understand what their risk is. And like you said, there's lots and lots that we can do from a sort of alternative, natural, functional medicine perspective and nutritional to deal with a lot of these issues rather than just resorting to drugs.
1: If people adopt these habits too over time, they won't be going to the physician with all these problems because I think a lot of them will
0: be resolved. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, that's our, our podcast for the month. So, NMR lipo profile, I hope you found this to be helpful. Again, Quest and LabCorp both run these tests. I think we gave some really good information about when you might want to run this. And each of the, of the reports themselves, I think they do a really good job in terms of showing the ranges and also the relative risk for the results. So, you in the software, we'll obviously be building this in here, but I think Beth, absolutely, you're right. Is And I think this is also true for any blood test that you're doing. Don't just rely on shoving a whole numbers into the software. It's, it's going to give you some really, really, really good information. Don't get me wrong. But always go back. Go back to that original report mm-hmm. because even a legal perspective, that is the document of record for the blood mm-hmm. test that yeah. you have run. What you're doing in the software is an add-on. This is a value add that you're providing. but ultimately you do need to share that original report with them. And, and they often have some really interesting and good information on them. So that's pretty cool. Anything else you want to say about this, Beth, before we wind up?
1: Well, it'll be in a blog, right? It'll be posted as a blog. If people want to actually look and read through what we just talked about, that'll be right. posted the sub-fractionation. And um, now just remember, eat your fruits and vegetables. <laughs>
0: eat your fruits and vegetables. So one of the things, I'm going to get a little insight here, and we're not ready to publish or put this up, on the website yet, but we're doing a really, again, I'll use the word deep dive is it, we're doing a dive into every biomarker that we have in the software. You know, one of the things that we're wanting to really adoptable optimal DX is to become sort of this point of reference for the work that we're doing. And Beth and I are going through every biomarker. and We're looking at research. There is a ton of research, isn't there about our biomarker ranges so, you know, we get these comments from medical doctors, oh, you know, what you're doing is complete nonsense. There's no such thing as an optimal range. It's like, no, no, there is. And we should be paying attention to it. I often say, so if that's the case, then where the heck are these standard ranges coming from? Because to have a, a BUN, for instance, have a completely different reference range, just because your blood is run by Quest as opposed to LabCorp, and you happen to live in the it's ridiculous. Different part of the country. Different part of the country, different part oh. of the world. I actually look at reference lookup tables in our software because we want to provide the standard ranges that are appearing on your blood test. They're very different. And sometimes it's just a matter of one number. So like it might be the BUN is, top is 22 for Quest, but it's 23 for lab It's like, come on, you know, can we just, like, what is the other thing that we were talking about the other day that we were just like scratching our heads? We were like, can't you just like come up with just one way of doing this as opposed to like 19. That's frustrating. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's just what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah, we're doing it for you. So if you if you go over to the blog, if you go to the website, optimaldx.com, we have a resources link at the top on the horizontal navigation. If you click that and scroll down, we have our ODX research, optimal research blog. And this is where we post kind of in-depth research-based articles on topics that we cover in podcasts that we've done in the past like we did one on insulin resistance menopause and andropause and we've done white papers on these but also just short blog posts around these biomarkers and this is becoming kind of the point of reference for I think we've covered all of the blood glucose it's not just blood glucose it's like there's 15 or 12 different biomarkers that we're looking at Beth has done the research for us she's got the research there we quantify or or qualify everything that's being said in those blog posts to research so I'm really excited about this project I'm hoping that we'll be finished that we can actually put up a web page which will give you everything that you need as a practitioner to substantiate the work that you're doing here with us at Optimal Mm -hmm. DX so first of all I'm super super grateful for you Beth for taking that on you provide a great great service for not only Optimal DX but all of our users as well so subscribe to our blogs Every Monday, you'll get a, an email with just, you can look through that and go, wow, I didn't realize that uh, adiponectin was in the software. And you can go over and you can read a little deep dive into adiponectin. What does it mean when it's high? What does it mean when it's low? What is the overview? What are the optimal takeaways? And then those research points as well. So mm-hmm. thank you, Beth, very much for all that you do for Optimal DX. My name is Dr. and Weatherby. I'm the CEO of Optimal DX. If you're interested in what we're doing, we're all about helping you and your patients live an optimal life through optimal testing and optimal ranges and really giving your patients an idea of what their health journey is and so that you can kind of create a treatment plan and correct make course corrections as needed so come over to Optimal DX we're here for you and thanks for listening really appreciate your time all right Beth see you later thanks bye-bye